0: Alright, and welcome to the Raw is Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, riding solo again. This is episode 38, and we're here to look at the February 5th episodes of WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. Raw draws a 2.7 rating against Nitro's 2.9 on the back of a much stronger show next time out. Nitro is on the go home to Super Brawl coming up in six days' time, and Raw is heading towards the next In Your House pay per view. Which show starts February off with a bang? Who's going to take out the first win? There's only one way to find out, so let's head over and check it out. opens up with the usual commentary team of Bobby the Brain Heenan, Eric Bischoff and Steve Mongo McMichael, with Pepe dressed as Little Red Riding Hood this week. They run down the card on what sounds like a pretty decent night of wrestling here on Nitro, and we get underway with our first contest, which will be Chris Benoit up against world heavyweight champion, Macho Man Randy Savage. The first uncomfortable moment of the evening comes up pretty early here, as Benoit's making his entrance, and Bobby Heenan says that the Canadian Crippler has left a trail of broken bodies in his wake, a little bit uncomfortable viewing in this day and age. Macho Man comes out with Woman and with Liz, so they've cut the entourage back to the two named players now. And again, another little bit of uh, awkwardness here seeing Benoit and Nancy both in the same segment now. But it is what it is. You can't undo these segments and their vital viewing to the storyline if you're going to go back and watch this error. The match actually begins with quite a cool little uh, move here where they lock up and they ride the lock up around all four corners of the ring. Really aggressive stuff and a good way to start this contest. Benoit then tosses Macho Man to the outside, follows him out and they have a bit of a brawl around the outside. They get back in and he hits him with a big clothesline and begins to chop away on the Macho Man. Hits a snap mare, a snap suplex a slam and a top rope headbutt, with Benoit really dominating the early portion of the matchup here. The storyline early on is that Benoit is beating up the Macho Man. The commentators are selling that he's doing it to soften him up for Ric Flair, and Macho swinging wildly but not connecting with anything just yet. Bischoff with some of his classic commentary when we get a standard kick from Benoit, and we're told that's a back leg round kick. It was, no, just a kick to the guts, but that's okay. Um, we get a back elbow and a leg drop, and then a backbreaker from Benoit before he sends Macho Man into the post, and Macho Man fires back with a clothesline. Woman gets up on the apron to distract the referee. Benoit then backdrops Macho Man over the top rope to the floor, which was a really cool looking spot, but then misses a suicide dive and just lands face first on the floor, which was even more impressive. Macho Man then goes up to the top rope for his patented elbow, but Ric Flair comes down to ringside and gets a hold of Liz. Macho comes to the outside to sort it out, and Woman sneaks up behind him and begins to choke him. From there, Arn Anderson and Ric Flair begin a double-team assault before Hulk Hogan comes out to, you guessed it, make the save for the little old Macho with a steel chair. He runs off the bad guys and Mean Gene gets in the ring to interview him, with Savage being helped to the back. Whilst Hogan is giving the interview, Ric Flair sneaks back out and attacks the already previously injured eye of Hulk Hogan, putting him to the floor, meaning Macho's got to come back out and now return the favour, making the save for the Hulkster. Macho then asks Liz why he, she didn't warn Hogan about the blind side and Jean sticks up for her saying that she tried to warn him but Hogan wasn't listening. Hogan's eye is bleeding nasty on the canvas as well, so really good um, opening segment here as we go to our first commercial of the night. When we come back, we get the commercial for WCW Magazine, which has been airing on a lot of these shows, where a little kid's looking through the magazine and turns into Sting, and then Sting's looking at the magazine, speaking with the voice of the little kid to end the segment. Yeah, it's a little bit dated, but it was—it it is fun to go back and watch some of the wrestling ads from back in the day. On Saturday night this week, we're told we'll see VK, uh, Sorry, I keep going, VKM, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, My- Michael Wall Street um, will be on the show. <laughs> Um, up against Sergeant Craig the Pitbull Pitman, we'll also see Lex Luger and Sting, the Giant, and the Four Horsemen. From there we go to our next contest, which is Kevin Sullivan and the Laughing Man Hugh Morris, up against two members of the Four Horsemen, Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman. On the way down to the ring, Pillman is going absolutely berserk towards the crowd, just really losing his mind, and Arn's just shaking his head in disgust coming down to get on with the match. The match opens up uh, with a good segment for Hugh Morris, actually, as he hits press slams on both of the horsemen. And Eric Bischoff tells us on commentary that Kevin Sullivan and Brian Pillman will face each other at Super, Bowl, a Super Brawl in a respect match. Um, if you've got an inkling of what's coming up here, that one should be interesting. Pillman shoves the cameraman, and this leads to Bischoff on commentary telling us that the directors instructed them to cut away from him if he does that again. And Pillman and Sullivan end up in the ring together, begin just really violently beating the shit out of each other with each other no-selling before they both tag out. Looks like they're trying to work some sort of make-it-look-like-a-shoot angle going on here. It is really fascinating stuff to watch all this unfold. Arn Anderson then hits Hugh Morris with a spinebuster before Brian Pillman tags back in, slaps Hugh Morris and immediately tags back out. He then gets out the ring and lays on the apron while Arn locks in a chin lock. They brawl around the outside a little bit before Sullivan and Pillman end up back in the ring swinging like absolute madmen. It's really, really good stuff. Away from the ringside area, up near the ramp, Arne Anderson and Hugh Morris brawl. Arne then goes to lock in a pile driver, but you see a broom come from behind the curtain and nail Arne without getting a perfect view on who it is. But my eagle eye spotted it and I did actually figure it out pretty quickly. The bell's ringing as we go back to the ring and we see um, Hugh Morris hit a lovely moonsault on Brian Pillman and then Kevin Sullivan begins to whip him before Pillman just leaps up no selling and walks out. So yeah, I can't stress this enough. I'm really loving watching this stuff because other than the you know, the bullet points you see on YouTube and review shows, I've never seen this in angle in its entirety. So I would definitely recommend going back and checking it out week by week. Our next matchup sees Ric Flair take on a pre-buff Marcus Alexander Bagwell, still American males here for those keeping score. And as the entrances are taking place, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff walks to the commentary table, confirming my eagle eye from earlier that it was definitely him getting revenge for the pile driver on the floor a few weeks back. The match gets underway with some good chain wrestling and Ric Flair chops a la his standard match before Buff Bagwell hits him with a backdrop, a clothesline and then a clothesline outside the ring. He then hits him with a clothesline on the floor and Buff goes onto a big flurry of punches inside the ring. Ric Flair sells these with his patented face first flop. Um, he then gets hit with another backdrop before Bagwell misses a drop kick, locks on a small package for a two count. And then an awful-looking knock by Ric Flair on on Buff Bagwell, who bumps over the top rope from like the centre of the ring without really much impact. It was pretty poor. Flair then comes back and hits a knee drop and a boot for a two-count. Gets caught up top, as he usually does, and hit with a press slam. Buff then hits him with a superplex from up top as he gets caught again. And Ric Flair locks in a figure-four leg lock after he escapes Buff's advancing offence for the pretty quick submission victory, in all honesty. He then hangs onto the figure four after the match, but Macho Man Randy Savage comes sprinting down the aisle, and that's cue enough for Ric Flair to get up and get out of town. From here, we go to the main event, and the match I was most looking forward to on the episode of this show, the returning road warriors, Legion of Doom, up against Sting and Lex Luger for the WCW Tag Team titles. Sting and Lex Luger's storyline has been really interesting to watch. Um... I think a lot of podcasts that review this era of WCW come out with the same opinion of Lex Luger, that he was vastly underrated at the time and have got a new-grown appreciation for him. I'm in much the same camp. Watching this storyline with he and Sting has been quite fascinating and something I've really enjoyed doing. And if you are of reasonably similar age to myself, I'll R 32, you're going to love the Road Warriors more than likely. If you watched wrestling in the early 90s, late 80s, you know who they are and they were awesome to kids. The two teams make their entrance to tremendous crowd heat and Nick Patrick goes to hands the belts to the timekeeper but spots the camera facing him and in a pretty funny moment goes, uh, 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 stumbles a little bit and half-heartedly lifts them up to put them on show, you know, like they do with the championships before title bouts. It was just, a little bit amusing to be caught so blatantly on camera before they even lock up the crowd are hugely into hawk and animal with a massive lod chant which is so loud the commentators have to acknowledge it by name despite the fact that in wcw they do go as the road warriors animal and sting start the matchup and pretty early on animal hits a nice looking slam but misses an elbow drop allowing sting to get his running sort of hair bulldog the same sort of move you'd see chris jericho do before locking in the lion salt in more recent times Lex and Hawk get in the match pretty early on here and Lex Luger's obviously not done his homework and watched the only other WCW match the LOD have had so far because he hits Hawk with a pile driver and just like when the Faces of Fear tried the same move, Hawk is back on his feet before Lex is, no-selling the move completely. Hawk then hits Lex with a, a big clothesline followed by a fist drop before Lex thinks better of it, tags out and gets Sting back into the matchup. Sting hits his patented Stinger Splash and then goes to lock in the Scorpion Deathlock but no success as Animal jumps in to make the save for his partner. Animal goes to bounce off the ropes next, and Lex drops the top rope down on him, sending him crashing to the mat as we see Sting's disapproving face. Animals roll back into the ring, and Lex makes a tag coming in to a huge LOD chant. They are really over right now in WCW. We get a bit of a slugfest between Lex and Animal before Lex hits a slam and three elbow drops. And then the feed drops out entirely, and we get a on the WWE Network a little error message apologizing for this and saying the show is being aired in its original format, which is the closest to complete. When the match does come back up, Eric Bischoff from the original commentary tells us the entire building lost power, so that was a little bit inconveniently timed, that one. We see Lex Luger hit a power slam when we come back before Animal fires back with a back suplex and Sting makes a save on the cover. We have all four men in the ring for a little bit of a brawl. Lex hits a suplex, which Animal takes a turn no-selling now, and then hits a power slam before Jimmy Hart comes out with what looks like a steel block. It's a little bit hard to tell, but that's how it's described on commentary. Lex uses it on on Animal's back, which the commentators sell big time because of his previous back injuries. This allows him to pick up the three count. And Sting on the outside of the ring is a little bit miffed as to how they got the win once again, but they've got their belts and another successful title defense mean gene comes down to the ring to give the lod a chance to put over the big angle that's just taken place and to be perfectly honest they miffed a little bit um, they don't really focus on what happened at all and more use it as an opportunity to challenge the team that they just fought moments earlier um, i might be being a little bit too harsh so i'll splice it in and let you guys decide whether i'm right or wrong on this one let's
1: go up to mean gene oakland take her Gino. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have with me the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal. First of all, before I get to you, let me point out, you, let me point out.
2: Come I, here, come here, listen to me. We're not asking, we're demanding. We want to match with the winner, a stingy luger
1: and that stinking hollow meat. Okay, but what, what happened here? I, I think uh, Animal, correct me if I'm wrong, it's no secret you've had back problems over the past few years.
2: It looked to me like Lex Luger went after that back. We owe some G. Ogley, my back wasn't right. But the past is in the past. Everybody in the world knows nobody can beat the Road Warriors League of Doom fair and square. We're the man of WCW, you hear us? If we have to beat everybody up to get that match Super Bowl, we want a match on the winner between Ardemy and Luger and the Luger Sting. We're going to stop at nothing to see that we get you at the end of the night. Nothing at all. I'm going to tell you something. It's getting extreme, Mean Gene. Extreme, brother. You don't want to do this to us. You don't want to do it. But now
3: you have. And now you
2: must pay the price.
3: Let's go. All right, Hawk and Animal, the Road
1: Warriors. You heard what they had to say this Sunday night at Super Bowl. They want the winner of the Lex Luger Sting at Harlem Heat match. Right now, let's take you back to Bobby Heenan, Mungo, and Eric Bischoff. Mike- oh.
0: So there you have it that will do it for monday nitro that's the go home segment for super brawl as well so now it's just time to go and find out whether or not the wwf could compete with what we just saw in nitro and which had the better show on the evening so let's head over there right now
3: this could very well be one of the more momentous wars that we've had some ones in the past yes indeed this one is one for the bucks Welcome, everyone, to Monday Night Raw. Vince McMahon and Jerry the King Lawler. Take a look right up in the ring right now, McMahon. You've got Yokozuna and the British Bulldog, guided by Jimmy Cornette. They're fixing a face-off against none other than the two dudes with attitude. Got that right. Shawn Michaels
2: and Big Daddy Cool Diesel. How do you top that, McMahon?
0: That is an awesome question, King. How do we top this? Well, let's find out whether or not Nitro could, or if this was the place to be on Monday night back in February 1996. As Shawn and Diesel make their way down the aisle, they're both throwing click signs willy-nilly, so it's interesting to see that's definitely coming into the forefront on camera now, and the crowd are pretty hot early, while the Bulldog and Shawn, who are both starting the match, both milk it with poses to the crowd before locking up and doing any actual wrestling. The Bulldog shoulder blocks Sean Michaels' early doors and sends him all the way down to the mat and rolling to the outside. He then puts him up for a press slam, but it's blocked, and Sean clotheslines the Bulldog out the ring, who then gets back in and tags in Yokozuna. Diesel gets in the ring, however, Yoko throws Sean at Diesel, who catches him, and throws him right back, sending Yoko down. Diesel and Yoko then get into a little bit of a slugfest before they tag in, officially, both of them, and then Yoko hits Diesel with a Samoan drop. Sean comes in, and the heels begin to work over him with a double team. The Bulldog hits a lovely delayed vertical suplex, and we go to our first commercial break of the evening. When we come back, Yoko's in control, and then the Bulldog gets in and hits a huge knee lift on Sean, who's really at his selling best here. Um, He's being ragdolled and mocked by the Bulldog all the way through. Yoko comes in, but in no time flat, Sean gets back on the offense, leading to them both going down, and Sean crawling across to make the hot tag to Big Daddy Cool. He comes in and unloads with some punches on Yoko, a boot to the Bulldog, then a boot to Yokozuna before tagging Sean back in and sending him off the top rope with a rocket launcher manoeuvre for a two count before the Bulldog makes a save on the pin. Sean then nails Yoko Zuna with sweet chin music which sends Yoko all the way on the outside to the floor for the old SummerSlam 93 finish with Yoko being knocked out laying down for the 10 count on the outside of the ring. Before the referee gets to 10, Owen comes out and tries to help the Bulldog lift Yoko back in the ring but that's not happening and the count out is made official um Sean spits in the ring during his celebration which is a little bit disgusting considering it's the first match of the night and then we go to a whole bunch of replays of the action through the match and when we come back Yokozuna is in the ring with Jim Cornette the Bulldog and Owen Hart and Jim Cornette is berating him a la Bobby Heenan and Andre the Giant at Wrestlemania 6 this one ends much the same way with Yokozuna getting pissed off like Andre did not before vince hits the line of the night though jim cornet is verbally raping yoko zuna easy there big filler this is the first match of the night yoko finally gets fed up and decks cornet making the bulldog and Owen Hart both come and jump him but he fights them both off and then celebrates like a true baby face with a big fiery come on as they both leg it out of the ring We have a commercial break and when we come back we get a tease for billionaire ted appearing on the show before we get our second vignette for the upcoming debut of mankind we then go to a match i was most looking forward to when i looked ahead to what was on this show Hakushi up against the one two three kid this has got the potential to be a real sleeper on the night kid comes out with ted DiBiase and a baby bottle an oversized one like he's been bringing down recently and they open up with a nice little bit of chain wrestling a quick exchange with some leapfrogs and avoids leading to Hakushi hitting a really good kick to the underneath the chin of the kid he then hits a nice leg sweep followed by a spin kick to the gut before kid sends Hakushi out and then nails him with a somersault plancher landing on his feet that was a really cool move he goes to his classic x part kick combo in the corner, you know, the kicks to the, the high abdomen followed by the big spinning heel kick, then takes a couple of steps back and makes a run up with a really big corner drop kick. That was very cool. And we interrupt for a commercial break. When we come back, we see a cool kick in the break from the kid followed by a suplex for a two count before he goes up top, but is caught by Hakushi who hits him with a drop kick in midair. He then hits his patented China-style handspring elbow, a flying forearm for a two-count, some cool spin kicks, and then a crossbody block to the floor from the top rope, which was really cool, and a top rope shoulder block back in the ring for a two-count. Before one, two, three, kid fires off with a spin kick for a two-count, and hakushi rolls through a pin attempt for a two-count, hits a harakamurana for a two-count, and then the kid hits a drop kick on the top, sending hakushi uh, down to the buckle crutched, Follows him up and hits him with a double underhook suplex off the top rope for the three count in a pretty decent match. I wish it had gone a little bit longer, but it was action-packed and an awesome finish, so I cannot complain at all about this one. From there, we get the latest update in the ongoing saga of the suspended Vader and a first-time hearing since the incident from Gorilla Monsoon.
3: Speaking of a maybe ladies and gentlemen, standing by, let's take you now, pre-recorded comments, Jim Cornette, along with his attorney, Clarence Mason.
2: It's been one week. One week since I asked for Mr. Vader to be reinstated, and we haven't heard anything from the World Wrestling Federation. I have even prepared case law, Stevens versus Stylenig, a case that I personally went to the Supreme Court and I orally argued. The case stands for the proposition that you cannot unilaterally usurp your powers in positions such as yourself, Mr. Monsoon, unless we have immediate, and I do mean immediate, reinstatement of Mr. Vader. We will sue, and I mean we will sue immediately.
3: The demands of Clarence Mason will not fall on deaf ears. You're looking at footage, ladies and gentlemen, of Vader attacking Gorilla Monsoon. And from behind. McMahon, you know Monsoon provoked it. And joining us right now, ladies and gentlemen, the interim WWF president convalescing as a result of his injuries. And what about those injuries, Gorilla?
4: Well, Vince, you know, I have a few serious injuries. A guy just uh, felt like I was hit by a freight train, Uh, have a uh, hairline fracture the transverse process of the third cervical vertebrae and some torn intercostal cartilage but that'll all heal you know and at this point in time i want to apologize uh, to the fans of the world wrestling federation for my actions what do you particular- mean by that well you know the guy provoked me you couldn't really hear what the guy was saying or or what his thoughts were the look in his eyes but uh, i didn't respond as interim president I responded as Gorilla Monsoon. So for that, I apologize to the fans of the World Wrestling Federation. And I also want to take this opportunity to thank the thousands and thousands of fans who sent in those cards and letters and get well wishes. I really appreciate that.
3: What about an apology to Mr. Vader, which is demanded?
4: Highly unlikely. uh, No way, shape, or form. What about
3: reinstatement, then? Should he be reinstated, in your opinion?
4: Well, everybody knows how I feel on that matter. That now is in the hands of the board of directors. It's up to them.
3: Could I ask you one question, Monsoon? What in the world were you thinking when you turned over the reins of the World Wrestling Federation to Rowdy Roddy Piper?
4: Well, the Hot Rod has been a friend of mine for many, many years, some 20-something years, and I know that he's a man's man, and I know that at times, Hot Rod can be a loose cannon, but... In desperate times, you need to take desperate actions. And I think the hot rod is going to be good for the World Wrestling Federation until I return after WrestleMania.
3: Well, the best of luck to you in your convalescence.
4: Thank you.
0: So there you have it, and for anyone wondering, pretty much the only reason why that clip needed to be spliced in rather than described is because Gorilla Monsoon talks medical terms like nobody's business, and anybody trying to impersonate that is going to do him a disservice. So, Gorilla giving you his finest rundown of his injuries there, and really advancing this angle, keeping Vader a strong presence on TV while he's recovering from his surgery, so good booking all around in my opinion that. From there, we have an ad for the Slammy Award show, which will be coming up WrestleMania weekend, so that's pretty cool to see that start to be introduced. Then we go to our main event, Bret the Hitman Hart defending his World Heavyweight title up against The Undertaker, giving him the return match because Diesel ruined the one at the Royal Rumble. Vince McMahon tells us next week we won't be on air and in one of the lines of the night, Jerry Lawler says, is that because of billionaire Ted? And Vince McMahon says, no, it's because of a dog show of another variety. So really good pot shots are getting in there. Um, lawless commentary on this night though was a little bit weird it was like he was trying to do everything in sound bites or he was voicing over the show not live he just there was no flow to it no conversation at all so it was very weird it made me wonder if any of this had been edited later on or, or what it was but it was just off so it's hard to describe if you are going back and watching this show tell me what you think about that the Hitman unloads early on, Undertaker really taking the fight to him, but Taker, as he's wont to do, comes back with a headbutt and some chops in a little bit of a slow start, but the crowd are definitely into it early on. Taker's in control, and he locks on one of the dreaded claws, which is always a bit of a death knell to a match, um, before Diesel comes sauntering out to ringside. he Undertaker, that is, goes up top for old school, but Bret Hart blocks it with a big arm drag off the top. This was made possible by the slight hesitation in Undertaker spotting Diesel in the aisleway. Once Taker's on the floor, Bret Hart goes immediately to work on his legs, and Diesel comes around to join Vince and Jerry on commentary. He um, asks if there's an extra paycheck for doing so, to which Vince pretty quickly shuts him down in a pretty funny moment, and then tells the commentators that he's here to get a bird's eye view. They both agree with him, though I'm not sure they know much about the view of birds, because not many of them sit at a table at ringside. I would suggest you'd need to be slightly more elevated to call that a bird's eye view. Diesel tells Vince that Brett's been biting off more than he can chew lately with all these title defences against big names, and Vince has to agree with him, despite the fact that Lawler made that point at the very start of the match, and Vince disagreed with it then, so continuity not a worry on Monday Night Raw on this night. We go to a commercial break and when we come back the two wrestlers begin brawling around the outside area they get back in the ring and undertaker hits a nice back suplex followed by going up the top for old school and nailing brett with a flying clothesline off the top we get a ref bump and then bret hart goes for a roll-up but there's no one there to count the fall undertaker misses an elbow drop and then bret hart goes back on the leg as the crowd seemed to quiet down because of the slow overall pace of the match Brett takes the leg of Undertaker and begins to rattle it around the ring post but Diesel seemingly seen enough gets up off commentary and attacks Brett. Undertaker gets up and comes out to confront Diesel and this week we're going to replace the dick move of the week with the dick call of the week because Vince McMahon says there is no love lost here between the Undertaker and Big D. This little melee ensues and Diesel manages to get a hold of a steel chair and wallop the Undertaker with it, gets him back in the ring and hits him with a pair of jackknife bombs. before we go to a commercial break. When we come back, Brett and Diesel are brawling to the back and the Undertaker is up in the ring realising he's been screwed again and is mightily pissed off. From there, we've only got time for one more segment and that's to throw back to the continuation of the press conference last week with billionaire Ted.
3: The match officially declared a draw as we take you now despite the threat of legal action from Turner testing System. Here's the latest from Billionaire Ted.
5: When we last left the press conference, Billionaire Ted was asked a difficult question
4: regarding predatory tactics toward the WWF. Uh, yeah, let's, uh... Listen, why
1: don't we, uh, take
2: another question real quick here, yeah? Uh, yeah, right, right over here. Yeah.
1: Back to the subject of greed. What won't you do to put the WWF out of business? Uh, well hell, I, I won't use my own money. I mean, have me just out of what, 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 what say, what, say is something wrong or well, uh, let's get back well uh, let's get back to the question. Let's here. return right, to the boys. press conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, uh next question. Billionaire Ted. Ted, isn't it true that your wrestling company has lost millions of dollars over the years, thus
5: wasting your stockholders' good money?
1: Yeah, but but I, I'm having fun, yeah. It's kinda like a it's kinda like a plaything. Yeah, next, next question. Billionaire Ted. Billionaire, Ted. Billionaire Ted. When the $40 billion merger with Time Warner goes through, will you exhibit the same attitude toward the Time Warner stockholders? Well, hell yeah. I mean, as long as I'm having fun, that's that's all that matters, right? But certainly, your stockholders care about the millions of dollars you've wasted. It's their money. Well, sure, sure they care, but but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I'm i entitled to uh, yeah, you know, a play thing. A play thing. Uh, all right, next question. your Billionaire, <laughs> Billionaire Ted, what is it that motivates you? Money. Power, power, money, yeah, take your pick. I want more. I want to own everything, so when I die and I see my daddy again, I can say, Dad, kiss this. Then That's all, folks. See ya.
3: This advertisement was rejected by The New York Times and The Wall Street Journal. However, a modified version will be published in The New York Times financial section this wednesday
0: so there you have it the saga of billionaire ted continues on monday night raw but just to make sure that we get both sides of the story let's find out what a prominent member of the booking committee in wcw actually thought of these skits
6: thought they were great i thought they were great i love parody i mean later on we did it and you know the nwo par- with parody in the foreman We didn't send any letters out then. I think that uh, it actually was one of the things that kicked us off, that people saw us or saw the characters on Vince's television. And Vince made a mistake because he had made these guys huge stars. Now he's making fun of them. The thing about the American public is they like to build heroes up. They like to destroy them, but they like to see them rise from the ashes. Mm -hmm. They don't want anybody else destroying them before they do. And Vince was doing that. And he was doing that to guys that were really over, whether it was in the one, Mean Gene, right? Yeah. Uh, You got Mean Gene. Mean Gene, if you don't know him personally, he looks like a wonderful Someone's uncle, not a lecherous bastard that he is, you know. Uh, uh, Hogan was at the time the biggest star in the history of wrestling. Randy Savage was, had been reduced to an announcer. So it looked like he was picking on people.
0: So there you go, just a small snippet on how Kevin Sullivan felt about these skits. Um, Kevin Sullivan's actually got a pretty unique opinion on this time period and someone that I don't mind listening to, to get some information around this time. So I think in future weeks, we'll probably hear a little bit more from Kevin around some of the big happenings of the time. But for now, it's time to pick ourselves a winner between Raw and Nitro, and let's go to the five categories and see who took out each of those. I'm going to start with an obvious one to begin with this week, and that's going to be production. Value WCW lost power, so therefore, WWF wins by default by staying on the air through their entire broadcast. Other than that, there's not a lot to pick them. Um, WCW was looking slick with the beginning of Nitro, but Raw was starting to get towards uh, the better sort of 96 97 version of Raw where everything comes together before it really hits its straps in the Attitude Era. Um, but they're going to pick up the win here early doors. Crowd Heat's a little bit of a tougher one, but I'm going to go back to WCW for Crowd Heat because the crowd were hot for both shows, but the main event for WCW didn't outstay its welcome and in the WWF it did and it had another flat fuck finish. Um despite the fact that Diesel had ruined the last Bret Hart and Undertaker match, they had him do it again here on free TV and it didn't really get the reaction they were looking for in my opinion. When it comes to characters, I'm actually going to call it a tie this week because both shows did a great job of getting all their main guys on the show. On WCW, we had The Four Horsemen, we had Hogan, we had Savage, um... We had Benoit in the opening match, who was someone they're starting to push a little bit more. We really did get a good run of guys. We got the LOD, we got Sting, we got Lex. Over on Raw, we did get Sean, we got Diesel, we got Brett, we got Taker, uh, the one, two, three kid. The only person we really didn't get was Razor. So pretty much all the big names on both shows. So I'm going to call that one a tie because it was very, very star-studded this night of wrestling. As far as storyline advancement goes, I'm probably going to have to call this one a tie as well because while WCW moved a lot of their stories, the Macho and Hogan thing is very much spinning its wheels at this point. And the WWF did take a giant step forward again with Diesel and Undertaker, but it's left the champion not looking so strong and it didn't get the crowd reaction they wanted. So they're both advancing stories, but neither of them are really in... Um, fourth gear just yet so we'll call that one a tie as well and we're going to have to pick it based on match quality and on that basis i'm going to go with a very 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 tightest of marginal victories for wcw neither of them were terrible matches by any stretch of the imagination and neither of them blew you out of the water but i'd say the overall average of the wcw matches was slightly better than the wwf best match of the night probably would have been hakushi and the 123 kid But it wasn't very long, and either side of that were main event caliber guys not putting in their best performances. Um, The likes of Sean, Diesel, Brett, and Undertaker, and the Bulldog. um, None of them really had a standout night, despite all appearing in matches. Uh, the main event for WCW was quite good. The LOD, Sting and Lex, even if it was a little bit short. Benoit and Macho was something fresh and exciting for me. Um, hard-hitting and told a good story. And we also had Flair, we had Pillman, we had Arn. So just a narrow victory for WCW. And that takes them up uh, by, by with two wins. So they're going to take the win on the night. And in my opinion, WCW was the best show of the two in Fe- on February 5th, 1996. As we wrap up here, I'll remind you as always to follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. There's a lot of different shows in the works at the moment, as you've no doubt heard, with a lot of different guest hosts coming on as well. Um, And we're going to be continuing our TNA theme with myself and Duncan this next coming week. Um, I'll try and have a couple of shows in the can, but then I do go away for a football course in two weeks' time, so we may have a week or so break. If that does happen, don't worry, I am alive and the show will come back. And that will do it. But for now thank you all for listening as always i really appreciate everyone that does and please get in touch if anyone has any ideas for the show or wants to be involved as always we're open for suggestions even if we've never interacted before if you feel like it's something you'd like to do give me a yell and we can organize an interview um, on the show and introduce some more listeners so i always enjoy doing that please feel free to get in touch thank you all and i'll speak to you all again very soon
5: Mountain running, got my seventh album dropping And my eighth album coming Feet in a thousand growling stomachs but I rewind and count of the back back when it was now or nothing People said I was bound to nothing, that I had talent for nothing Said I was a come to the violence or be silenced by a gunman I could just hear the folks now, he got what he had coming Now that my eighth album's coming, everybody's smiling Wanting something, claiming that they done something for him. Got their Jay-Z pump-poms and they hold uniform Claiming they've been running and telling everybody like Martin Lawrence About how hot my rap performance was before I was who I was Claiming that they threw it up before I threw it up you what? Where was you before I blew this up? I didn't see you in the courtroom when everybody was suing us. I didn't see you in all black when everybody was suing up. Back on the block getting in and it wasn't no you with us. 8 miles and running, got my 7th album dropping and my 8th album. And the thousand ground and stomach free. Six
2: miles are running, got my fish, drip popping in
5: my purse. I will come and be in 20 bronze stomachs. Eight miles a running, got my seven album, dropping in my eighth album, coming, the thousand ground and stomachs free. Six miles are running,
2: got my fish, drip popping in my purse. I will come and be in 20 bronze stomachs. Miles are running in a Pontiac, 6,086 trans Mike shift while the injure or anyone Tell your honor, give me one more chance And I'm smoking, streamin' one more gram So I'ma bring a yeah. one, only son of my pop Stick close to my mama, keep toasters for drama Makes a lot with my son, my son growing and he learning a lot That's what I'm told, just want them burners a pop. Rain on your own um. Brella, nigga. Tell them niggas, it's like a biblical script. She'll look back, turn the salt like the sinners, most of y'all heartless and self centered, like me Meshach and shot, Set up your brother, cause tell jealous, nigga. He back, uh, Like you never left, I ever rep, Cops watch every step. Six miles and running, dodging every trap. The rat gingerbread man Cherish every precious breath. Stay peak the second deck,
5: uh. Eight miles and running, got my seven album dropping, and my eighth album coming, feet in the thousand ground, and stomachs free. Six miles are running.
2: Got my bitch trip, popping in my
5: purse. I will come and be in 20 from the Eight miles and running. Got my seven album dropping in my eight album coming, feeding the thousand, ground stomachs free. Six miles a talent, nobody would sign me. Nobody believed in me. Nobody but Mommy Blondie. But how could she deny me? Me being the youngest, run to come up out of her tummy. She got the love for me. When niggas would want me, the industry shunned me. That's why I'm taking all the industry's money. Revenge is sweet, honey. We run this. Young is the illest. Free is the future. Beans and bleak is right now. We can see y'all eight miles, nigga. Eight miles and running. Got my seventh album dropping and my eighth album coming. 100,000 growlin' stomachs free 6
2: miles a runnin', got my fish drip pop pop And then
5: my first album comin', Bee O 20 croplin' stomachs 8 miles a runnin', got my 7th album drop in my 8th album comin', Bee Yann От Came 100,000 growlin' stomachs free 6 miles a runnin', got my fish drip pop And then my first album comin', Bee O 20 croplin'
2: stomachs